Somebody say vision. Vision. All right. What is vision? Vision tells us where we're going. Vision allows us to have a guide marker on the roadmap of destiny. And it sets the compass on the purpose for our life. Vision. It's so important that we have a clear vision for our life, for our marriage, for our household, and for our church. There's nothing worse than when you get in the car, you put it in reverse, because you're looking back, you put it in drive, and you realize you can't see. You're running late, the defogger isn't working, it's taking forever until you realize it's actually foggy outside, in which case the defogger is pointless. There's nothing worse than when you can't see. When you don't have clear vision or your vision is obstructed, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Why? Because your vision just doesn't only affect you. It affects you. It affects your family. It affects your calling. It affects your purpose. If you get in the car and you can't see, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the person that might be in the car with you. It's dangerous for pedestrians that might be walking and other vehicles that you might pass as you're driving. Someone could get seriously hurt. Someone could get injured or even die simply because you didn't have clear vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 I'm going to read it out of the King James first. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. The passing translation reads, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. As a father and as a husband, it is vital, it is vital that I am seeking God for the vision that he has for me. Not just for me, but for my marriage and for my family. As a pastor and as a leader, it is vital that I seek God for the vision for Limitless Church. Why? Uh, Because once the vision has been established, every decision we make, Everything that we do, we now ask, does it align with the vision? Does what I'm doing as a husband align with the vision of this house? Is, is what I'm doing as a parent aligned with the vision for the house? Is, is what I'm doing, uh, what I want to do, what my desires are, the choices that I'm making, does it align with the vision? Say, Pastor Keenan, I don't have a vision for my marriage. I don't have a vision for my family. Today's a good day. And when we ask that question, if it doesn't align, then we don't consider it. We don't acknowledge it. We don't do it because it doesn't align with the vision. See, God-given vision trumps our calendar. God-given vision trumps our opinion. 
God-given vision trumps our preference. We aren't led by the highs and the lows of our circumstances. We are to be people that are led by vision. And vision just doesn't come to pass by accident. To see vision come to pass, it requires a consistent, holy acceptance of a divine calling. Consistent, holy acceptance of a divine calling. Vision. What is vision? So what is the vision that God has given you? What is the glimpse or the, or the peace that he's given you? What is the thing that he's spoken in your heart to help lead you in the destiny that he has for your life? What is the purpose that God has uniquely placed you here for this time, in this season, in this place, in this city? What is the vision? What has he told you? Now, if doubt and fear or maybe just life has caused you to put that vision down, I encourage you to pick it up. If you've never sought God for the vision for your life, then there is no better time than now to start the journey of living a life of vision. You can pray something as simple as this. God, what is the vision you have for my life? What is the purpose and the plan that you have for me? But I will warn you when you ask, be prepared for his answer. No, Lord, I just want to live a comfortable life. Then I wouldn't suggest you ask. If your, if your Christianity is comfortable and you ain't doing nothing and you one of those people who don't just want to stay out the way, then I wouldn't suggest you ask. Because when you ask him, he will tell you. And nine times out of ten, it's not like, oh, you no, know, you're doing great. You're, you're doing great. Just sit down and just enjoy yourself. And No. He's going to give you vision that's going to propel you forward, that's going to move you out of comfortability, that's going to take you to the place that he has for you, not the comfortability that you set for yourself. All right. Um, the prophet Habakkuk has some questions for the Lord as well. Habakkuk chapter 2, he asked some questions and the Lord answered him. And the Lord gave him some vision that we can grab a hold of today as a reminder for those of you who God has given vision to and for those of you who are praying today for God to reveal his vision to you. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay tablets so that the one who reads it will run. For the vision is yet for the appointed future time. It hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it because it will certainly come it will not delay. Even as I'm reading this, he says, even though it delays, wait patiently, because it will certainly come, it will not delay. What does that tell me? That means his delay and my delay is two different things. 
See, I might have a vision and a time period. You know, we put God on the time, time period. Okay, Lord, I uh, got this vision. All right, Lord, you told me this. All right, five years, I should be there. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I get there in that five years. And then when it don't turn out how we thought it would turn out, when, when the timing wasn't as we thought it should be, right? That, Lord, what's taking you so long? You gave me the vision, Lord. He's like, yeah, I did. I got the timing too. He says, wait patiently for it because it will not delay. Somebody say vision. See, when we first get vision, we excited. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the Lord, I can't wait to tell everybody. This is the vision that God has given me, and he's just going to do some wonderful things in my life. And he just said, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. And we're excited. We're ready to move, and we're fired up about God's plan. But something often happens when that timing doesn't seem to line up with what we thought and what he said about us. When it gets difficult, we, we've oftentimes been guilty of what I call vision amnesia. We get vision amnesia about what, what God has said. We, we've forgotten what he said, and we start to uh, wander, as the scripture says. The Lord spoke to Habakkuk, and he said, write it and make it plain so that those who read it will run. Write it. Whether you write it in a journal, whether you, you write it on the tablets of your heart, whether it's in the notes, documents on your phone, if it's on a scribble sheet of paper that you see every day, he said, write the vision. As I was studying, I, I, I woke up in the morning and the Lord reminded me of this scripture. I was getting up and saying my prayers. I'm getting ready to get out of bed. And he just downloaded the scripture to me. And I went and I read it. And as I finished reading it, this is what he said. It is important that you write down what I've said, because on the way to destiny, there will be opportunities for you to forget while you're in motion. There will be opportunities for you to forget while you're in motion. So write down what I said. Why? Because you're going to need to go back to it. You're going to need to open up that book. You're going to need to go to that note. You're going to need to remember that dream I gave you. You're going to need to. So he says, write it down. Because there will be opportunities for you to forget while you're in motion. Then he brought me to an example of this in the word. I've read this scripture plenty of times, and I never saw this until he showed this to me. Let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side, the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, they took him with them just as he was in the boat. 
And the other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow. Now, I looked this up. Uh, that windstorm is called an Arachlodon. Um, first of all, I thought it was a dinosaur. It's not. Um, what it is is it is something like a Category 5 hurricane that pops up out of nowhere in the middle of the ocean. said, I would have preferred it was a dinosaur, Jesus. Uh, A fierce windstorm began to blow, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep with his head on a sailor's leather cushion. Hallelujah. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? And he got up sternly and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down as if it had grown weary and there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? And they were filled with great fear and said to, said to each other, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Okay, okay, Pastor Keenan, you, you read the scripture? Okay, you have to break it down because I might have missed it. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Let us When Jesus spoke it, he had full confidence in what he spoke. So much that he went to sleep. Why? Because he had full confidence that what he said was going to come to pass no matter what. The disciples also heard what Jesus said. They also heard him say, let us us go over to how you know how you know he heard that because they acted on it they took him they got in the boat they prepared to go over so they heard what Jesus said but as they were in motion something they experienced made them forget what he said They forgot what he said. And that's what, you know, I love about Jesus. Jesus is is arguably the best leader ever to live. He didn't say, y'all go to the other side. He didn't say, take me to the other side. He said, let us go to the other side. When God gives you vision, Be encouraged because when we go in God giving vision, we do not go alone because he is with us when we go. That's why he said, let us go to the other side. He spoke. That was it right there. This is what I said. He's like, I'm done with it. I'm going to sleep. And and, and here's a question. How much different had it been if they would have went to sleep as well? Oh, Jesus said we're going to the other side. I guess we're going to the other side. Jesus taking a nap. I'm going to take a nap too. Since we're supposed to be Christ-like, I guess I'm going to take a nap too. 
But the circumstances that they encountered along the way made them forget what he said. We have to be people that we don't allow life circumstances. We don't allow disappointments. We don't allow our timetable. We don't allow our finances. We don't allow our schedule to make us forget what he said. Because he hasn't changed his mind about what he said. He hasn't changed his mind about you. He hasn't changed his mind about the vision that he's given you. He hasn't changed his mind about the purpose for your life. He hasn't changed his mind. Let us go to the other side. Verse 40, he says, do you still have no faith and confidence in me? And I was like, Jesus, that's a little harsh, bro. You just met him, Jesus, you sure? And then I went and I looked at, at, at Mark chapter 3, and, and, and I, just skimming through Mark chapter 3, you see that Jesus has, has healed many people. The disciples have seen him heal many people. They've seen a man's arm grow back. They've seen him talking and prophesying and teach so much that there were so many people around that he had to go out into the boat because there were so many people there. And so the disciples saw this happening, and then they got in the boat and just forgot everything that Jesus just did. And he said, do you still have no confidence in me? What this is showing us is that vision requires faith. It requires faith and our level of faith will constantly be tested as we are in motion to fulfill God's vision. Where we are at in our faith will constantly be tested. But here's the thing, even in the test that we may not pass and we, we may not do so great in, we still win. We still win. You say, Pastor Keenan, well, well how, how is it that we still win? Because the lessons that we learn along the way develop the things in us that's actually needed to see the vision come to pass. We're growing, we're going. It develops the, the character and the discipline in us to sustain the vision. It develops the the competency in us to complete and see the vision through successfully. And it develops in us the capacity to maintain the vision. See, there's a development that's taking place. Before God allows us to fully walk in the vision that he's given us, he will make sure that we are fully developed before we leave the product line so that when we're released into the vision, so that when we're released into destiny, there ain't going to be no recalls. There ain't going to be no recalls. He's going to make sure we have everything that we need so that we can walk in and fulfill the vision. This example, you know, we think we go point A, God gives us the vision that's point B, and we just go stride on along right there, and then we just wind up there. That's not how it goes. And we get upset and mad at God in the middle like, Lord, you said that. He's like, yeah. That's why you grow. That's, see, that's why you ain't there now, because you need to grow. That's why. That's what I'm trying to show you. It's not point A to point B. It's point A, and then you grow a little, then you go to A1, 
and then you grow a little more, and then you go to A2, and you grow a little more in A3 and A4, and however many A's it takes for you to get where you need to be so that when you get to B, you can stay there. Because there's too many people who have gotten to B and wasn't ready to be there, and there are sad stories told about them. Vision. Somebody say vision. God desires for us to be Christians who walk boldly and faithfully in vision. How do I know? How do I apply that vision, Pastor Keena? How do I know the vision that God, what does it look like for me to walk in vision in my everyday life? It's not just serving although we love for you to serve. It's not just attending church. It's not just giving. You stay in vision. You hear vision. You walk in vision when you're in constant fellowship with the vision giver. Stay in fellowship. Stay in converse. Lord, what you want me to do today? Lord, what is it that you have for me to do? Lord, I know I got my schedule, but how should I, how should I move? How should I maneuver, Lord? How should I talk to this person? What is, when I stay in conversation with the vision giver, I'm always going to be a, in alignment with the vision. And there's no way, way that I can go astray because I'm, I'm attached at the hip. In every decision I make, in everything I do, well, what, Lord, what is it that you have me to do? Proverbs chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 5 through 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. I just want to stop right there. Do not rely on your own opinions. Trust in the Lord completely. Why? Because your opinions, they they could be wrong. I know this is a hard concept to grasp. Sometimes we're just wrong. We're just wrong. And so he says, trust in the Lord completely. Don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. He says, become intimate with him in everything, in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. It's the intimacy. It's the time. It's the the time spent in prayer. It's the time spent in worship. It's the time spent reading his word. It's the time spent speaking to him. It's the time spent... He says, become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. A lot of times, we don't get God's help because we haven't asked for God's help. We haven't allowed him to take part in every area of our life, and we wonder why our life is where it is. You have to ask the question, have I gotten God involved in this situation? And I would encourage you in every situation, get him involved first. I promise you it'll save you a lot of time and a lot of heartache. Get him involved first. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Everything that we have done as a church successfully required vision. Everything that we've done required vision. So what is the vision for Limitless Church? 
What is the reason that God has placed us here in this city, in this time, with these people? I say it all the time, and I will continue to say it as the Lord has given it to me. The vision of Limitless Church is to take the limits off of the way that people see Jesus, off of the way that people see faith, and off of the way that people see the church. We take the limits off. We, 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 we change people's perception of how they see Jesus by being accurate representations of him in every area of our life. We don't just know Jesus, we follow Jesus. We take the limits off of the way that people see faith by walking in a lifestyle of faith put into action. We don't just talk about faith. We don't just hope about faith. We don't just preach about faith. We put our faith into action. We change the way that people see the church by being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, in the body of Christ, and in our church. We don't wait for anybody else to come in and do something. We don't come in with this idea that we're going to have our hand out, that we're just going to sit in the seats, in the pews, and do nothing. No, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the ones that will show the love of God to the people in this city and this community and in our church. We are here to be the difference makers. We are here to be the breath of fresh air and an otherwise polluted culture of Christianity. We are here to love God and to love his people, really. Not just a bumper sticker, not just a fancy cliche, not just a thing that people say. No, we are here to love God and love his people. Who are his people? If they alive and they breathing, then they his. Yes. <laughs> and we love them. We show the love of God to people. So I was preparing this message. It took a second to get away, and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why on earth did you put us in downtown Woodland? Come on, Jesus. I was looking at a beautiful building. Lord, it had park. It had a parking lot. Let's just start there. It had a parking lot, Jesus. Beautiful building. Lord, why did you put us in downtown Woodland? Why did you give us this property? Why did you move us from one building to four buildings, Jesus? What, why? What is so significant about this place? And he brought me to this scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all gonna need the, the, the playback on this one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I said, okay, Jesus. He said, if you want to impact the city, you need to be in the heart of the city. He said, limitless will be a place where people will encounter the love of God in many different ways. He said, I desire that these new buildings be a place where my presence is magnified, my purpose is prioritized, and my people are edified. This is why we are here. Y'all can clap if you want to. This is why he's placed us here. I didn't go looking for this building. I'd given up, honestly, just to be 100% transparent. I was done. Lord, you can have it. You can do whatever it is you want to do. I thought it was this building. It's not this building. I'm going to let you do your thing, Lord. You just, I'm going to just stand over here. But he gave us, he gave us this building in the heart of downtown Woodland. The tallest building in the city with a steeple at the top, with a cross at the top to remind them of who he is. And these buildings, this isn't a... a a a car lot. This isn't a a movie theater. This is a place where Jesus will be glorified, where people will encounter the presence of God, where people will come to know Jesus at a whole nother place, at a whole nother level. It's not just a place where we can minister to people on Sunday. It's a place where they can be ministered to Monday through Friday. That, that we'll be in church on, on Sunday and Saturday. Hallelujah. We'll have coffee and our kids' ministry will be ministered to. But there's another building back there. There's another building. Twelve rooms in the building. Two floors that we will be able to retrofit so that people can get ministered to. I know someone's like, well, what happened to the Life Center? Oh, we ain't forgot. We ain't forgot. We're single moms. We'll be able to come in and get the needs that they have for their, for their children. If they need pampers, if they need clothes, if they need food, if they need a stroller, if they need a carriage. And we can give it to them. And when we give it to them, we say, do you mind if I just pray with you? Well, well, and they ask, well, why are you giving this away? Well, because we want people to know that God loves them. Amen. We want you to know that God loves you and that he cares about yes. you. And that he set this place here so that you can be ministered to. I just, I just, I just you, you don't owe us nothing. Just, just can I pray for you? Yes. So that we can minister to kids who are having a hard time with, the, with their homework and they, they need a little help and they need someone to, to check in on them and someone to, to, to say, hey, you know, let me help you with this. Uh, uh, come on over to the Life Center. We, we got a room there with some computers in it. Oh, you need to print out a resume? Guess what? We got a computer lab there for you where you can print out. You need some job. We got people in our congregation who, who are looking for jobs. We want to point you in. This is how the love of God will be shown outside of a Sunday yeah. service. This is, this is why he has us here. This is vision. When God gives us vision, we don't have to worry. 
because we don't go alone. He goes with us. He says, let us go over to the other side. Last week, we had the honor and privilege to have our community night. And I'm just so appreciative to those of you who came. And I was just reminded when we, when I first had the idea about, and the Lord had given me the idea about Limitless Church, and I began to talk to my wife about it, and I'm excited, and I'm, I'm happy, and I said, I said something, I said, babe, um, I think we should just have this thing where people just come together, and uh, we just have like this long table or a couple of tables, and everybody comes together, and we just eat, like we just eat. And I said, we should do it after every service. And I said, because I don't want this culture where like people like come together and then they serve or they sit down and then they just go home. If we're going to be a family, we should be a family and we should like eat together. And she was like, uh, baby, people going to want to go home. Um, I know they probably love you, but they're going to want to go home. And I was like, I mean, maybe, but... And I said, we should call it like, we should call it the table. And everybody comes together at the table and they just begin to eat. And they just, it's no agenda, it's no nothing, people just being in community. We had that conversation almost three years ago and I, we, we talked about it and I just kind of let it go. I was so excited about it when I was like, man. Last Saturday, as I was looking out, and we had over 100 people eating in community with one another, having conversation with one another, people getting prayed for, people being introduced to a loving family for the first time, people just checking in on one another. The Lord reminded me of that vision that he had given me. He said, it didn't look exactly how I thought it would look, but he protected it and it came to pass. As I began to walk, forgotten all about it, but he didn't forget about the vision that he gave me. And even in the small areas, even in those things that you might think that you have forgotten or that you have put down or maybe, you know, it's too late for me. You know, I'm a little bit too seasoned now. You know, time, too much time has passed. God has not forgotten about the vision that he's given you. I encourage you today to pick it up. I encourage you today to write it down. I encourage you today to seek him for the plan that he has for you, for the plan that he has for your family for the plan that he has for your marriage, present or future, and begin to walk in vision.